You are listening to the LWDG Pod Dog with me, Joanne Perrett. I am the founder of the Ladies Working Dog Group. Every single week, I will be talking with our community about how you can improve your relationship with your dog and with a community of women just like you. Don't forget that you can win some prizes every single week with our giveaway. All you need to do to be in with a chance of winning is take a picture of yourself listening to this episode of the podcast, share it on your Instagram stories and tag us at the Ladies Working Dog Group. And if you want to, share your biggest takeaway from this episode with us too, because we'd love to hear what you think. Every single week we go through and we pick a winner and someone wins something exciting from our shop. So definitely get involved if you want to win something. But for now, enjoy this episode. You can do this and we are here to show you how. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Ladies Working Dog Group Pod Dog. I'm Joe Perrett, and tonight we are going to be talking with our awesome group experts about the importance of teaching your dog to do nothing. Before we get into that topic, I'd just like to introduce you to... Hi, my name's Claire Denya, and I'm from Family Dog Services based in Maidstone in Kent. Hi, I'm Emma Stevens. I run Cunning Shot Dog Training based in the East Midlands. Hi, I'm Gemma Martin, one half of Whistle and Wag Dog Training based in Suffolk. Hi, I'm Sam. I run Languedoc Gun Dogs based in Gloucestershire. Okay, ladies, this is a really different topic to be having a conversation about, teaching your dog to do nothing. That's not something that we would normally do uh, with a working dog. What do we mean when we say about it being important to teach a dog to do nothing? So... A lot of these dogs are obviously high energy breeds that that need to be stimulated in some way, shape or form for them to then be able to settle. Um, So when we talk about them doing nothing, um, I often say to clients, it's really important to actually teach puppies to sleep, which sounds like the most normal thing in the world that a dog should just sleep. But if they're often not taught it, they can really, really struggle with it. And then when down the line, they are awake for more times than they are asleep. They find it really difficult to just do nothing in the house and just chill and recover mentally and physically from activities and things like that, which then can make just life in general quite difficult if you're working from home or if you want to relax on the sofa and watch a film at night and things like that. And you've got a dog that physically can't settle. um, That can be quite challenging for you. And it also means that your walks as well can suffer and your training can suffer because your dog's never actually recovered from that kind of high adrenaline mental state. It's some of it has come about uh, because in recent years, you get dogs that are more likely to have the crossover between the working life and the family life so in years gone by a working dog would have lived outside in a kennel it wouldn't have been in your home your child's friend your family friend um so the necessity to teach a dog to switch off regardless of whether there are children playing there's a music playing the dinner being cooked has become more important and much more of a necessity than it was in years gone by I think as trainers now we're seeing more and more dogs which especially through the pandemic and things that have changed for people's home lives recently um, the dogs have more stimulation because we're at home more a lot of people are still working from home so whereas the dog would have downtime when the owners were say out at work 
those dogs have got the owners being around a lot of the time and the owners are not understanding the importance of the dog um, getting used to having some time alone and some downtime just settling down even though the owners are still home which means the dogs don't learn that skill so then the dogs are more likely to have behavioral problems and like if you think about it when we have a baby in the home we are we're taught by the whole of society I suppose mums grandmas everything you know make sure they have a nap make sure they have some time to sleep make sure you you get them to settle um and that's part of our everyday life with having youngsters the idea of making sure they have this type of downtime but we don't really see it when you know when you go and pick up a pup nobody says oh we'll make sure they have a certain amount of sleep per day they just sort of introduce to the home and then they just go wild how how much sleep should you know you know let's start with pups how much sleep should a pup be having so we're looking at about between 18 and 20 hours a puppy should be resting. And like you say, people just don't get this and they're coming along and saying, oh, their puppy's crazy. Uh, it's biting them. It's nipping them. It's it's running right around the house. And that's often because they haven't had enough sleep and they get overtired just like our children would. So it's really important that the puppy gets some downtime. It learns to have its own space and be happy with that, even if it's in the same room or the next room. Um but yeah, it's an important skill for a puppy to learn that it can then take forward in its adult life. Yeah, as as Gem said, they, they need 18, it's usually like under six months old, they need 18 to 20 hours of sleep or rest, um, actively doing anything and, and it's undisturbed as well. So in busy houses, it's it's important for them to learn to do that. And that might need the introduction of a crate to be used or a playpen or something just to segregate them until they learn that they can actually do that and they're not missing out on anything. But I also say to people as well that your your pup or your dog needs to learn to settle with you around them, without you around them and in and out of a crate as well. Because they're often, if you're going to end up taking these dogs out on shoot days, at 11s and lunchtimes, these dogs need to learn to settle in the car as well, which is also really important. So you can start teaching that from a really young age so that when they are in adult life, they can cope with these situations where they are being, right, you're switched off now, you're you're complete, you need to chill. So again, we're teaching that recovery as well, that these dogs can settle and then bounce back from that settling and, and be ready to go again. It is really important. And I think as well, as puppies needing a lot of sleep and downtime we've also got to look at adult dog behavior and you know we're seeing trends if you want to call them trends at the moment of enrichment and making sure that dogs have got enough mental stimulation and all of these things these are key words that to people to your average dog owner at home perhaps will get the the thing that their dog maybe isn't getting enough mental stimulation, isn't getting enough enrichment in life. And so they think the dog needs to be very busy and the dog needs to be maybe searching for things or maybe needs to be stimulated mentally to be able to rest. But as Gemma mentioned earlier, that isn't the puppy learning to switch off or the dog learning to switch off. And if the brain is kept active like that, and the dog isn't given that downtime. And as Em said, you might need to um, train the dog to be comfortable in a crate or in a pen to help you with this. But if the dog isn't being taught that it needs that downtime, you're going to end up with a very grumpy, miserable, potentially 
a dog with behavioural problems which are coming out in other ways because the dog just cannot relax and hasn't ever been taught how to relax. So leading on from that, Claire, people are getting all these licky mats and all sorts of things to keep their dogs entertained during the day and they'll finish one and then go to the owner to say what's next. And these owners are providing something to then entertain them again. Um, So then when they actually go out on their walks, they've, they've run out of sort of tactics to entertain their dogs. So their dogs often go off and entertain themselves with free hunting. And then these people are wondering why their dogs are ranging away from them. Uh, our walk should be the time that we're actually engaging with our dogs and doing that sort of enrichment stuff, hunting with them and doing stuff like that. You've raised some really, really valid points there. And there's sort of two points of that I want to come back to. But, you know, we'll start, first of all, with the crate idea, because a lot of people, you know, say to me, oh, I see pictures of your dogs. You must know something about dogs. Is it cruel I put my dog in a crate? And I don't think it is because you never say, see somebody say, um, I think it's cruel you put your child in a cot. <laughs> you know, it's like it, nobody ever says that. It's just be like, well, it's pretty cruel if you didn't put them down and, and make them rest. So this whole idea of crates being cruel, it, it's not founded on anything real, is it? What, why do we have such a problem with them? I think um, when people see a crate, they see the bars and the restraint of a dog that should be free and out and able to choose what it wants to do and stuff and some puppies and some dogs can settle outside a crate and do really really well at that but sometimes they need a little bit of extra help and that's why those crates come in but moving on from that I mean it's it's actually illegal and you can be fined if your dog isn't restrained in a car and a crate is deemed as an appropriate method of restraint in a car in a vehicle so there's that that reason to to crate train a dog because if you never did and then suddenly they get put in a crate with traveling you can create all sorts of negative associations where it goes back to the dog actually being scared to travel because it gets put in a crate every time it travels and it's not used to being put in a crate on top of that you've got if a dog was ever injured or ill or spayed any routine procedures they need to be on crate rest for their own healing process as well and again that can then be quite a traumatic, very stressful. You've got a dog that's in pain trying to recover that's suddenly put in a in a position that it's not used to. So for those reasons alone, on top of the fact that we're obviously discussing settling and, and dogs being able to do nothing and being taught to do nothing, there's medical reasons and anxiety-related reasons for, for dogs to need to be crate trained, um, even if when it does enter adulthood, you decide to then remove the crate. But I tend to find a lot of dogs, if taught to, if crate trained properly, actually really love their crates and they find them a safe place where they can go if you have really busy households or you have friends over or anything like that the dogs can get away from the situation and put themselves off to bed and things like that and it just creates this kind of safe place for them so that's that's my view on on crates. I think as well Em just touched on it there but it's the crate can be a real safe place for the puppy or the dog so the puppy that is going through teething and learning what it's allowed and what it's not allowed if you know it is safely contained within its crate you also know that within reason you can leave it to go and cook dinner for your children and know that it's not going to be chewing through the hairdryer cable or chewing your laptop or your phone or anything like that it's not going to do it self-damage because it is in a safe environment yeah and I sort of Again, that comes back to the, what we just said about a cot. As as a as a youngster gets older, we have like 
a downstairs travel cot or a play pen or somewhere you go well I'm actually going to do something now that's going to take my um, focus from you so I'm going to pop you in here just a moment so that I don't need to worry that you're going to hurt yourself whilst I'm off doing this other thing so you know um, the points that Emma just made there as well about about safety and why we need to get them used to this idea of just being locked in something just settle in something for a short while it's beneficial across so many different ways isn't it it is and it's also helpful using a crate environment if you've gone down the route of when you're wanting to provide some enrichment for your dog and that might be through use of a snuffle mat or a kong or scatter feeding if you have taught your dog to go and hunt for all those bits of food you're then going to need to be able to put it away from the ability to chew everything. So just to sort of go back to what I was saying before about giving it a safe environment, not allowing it to chew things it's not allowed to chew. There are different ways of it, obviously, enrichment and different ways of teaching your dog to settle. But if you want to go down particular routes of enrichment, like I said, such as Kong, snuffle mats and that sort of stuff, sometimes the crate is going to help you then in better to teach your dog to settle outside of those enriching places. That's absolutely spot on. I totally agree with with what Sam just said. And for me, it's all very transferable. So I have put several videos on Facebook over the last couple of years of my youngest Labrador's journey and the transition of teaching my dogs that when I'm cooking and eating my dinner, I expect my dogs to settle on their beds. I don't want them at the table or under the table or around my feet. I want them to settle on their beds. Now, with a puppy or a young dog, that will begin with using the crate to teach the dog that it's okay to settle over there. And I reward the dog in that position once I've finished eating. So my dogs learn a routine. They learn that when I'm cooking and then I'm eating my dinner, if they settle on their beds, and when I've finished eating, I will go to their beds to reward them in that position. So the dog learns it's rewarding to settle down. They don't need to be running around the kitchen looking for any scraps of food that have been dropped on the floor, which potentially could be toxic or dangerous to the dog. But they understand that if they settle in that place, then they will be rewarded for that behaviour. And it's a behaviour that I want to encourage. So to talk more, um, we've had the word said a couple of times now as we move through this idea of enrichment. Like, I'm not a dog trainer. And I sort of understand the concept of enrichment because my two live in kennels and I'm very aware that it may be worth putting something in with them to keep them occupied if they're going to have a little bit of time in there. Um, But I've got to be honest, and this is just personal to my dogs, most of the time I put them straight back in the kennel after we've been out and done training and that's their enrichment. And within literally five minutes, I can look out the window and they're flat out to sleep because they're back in their safe space. They're not really concerned with the pigs here or whatever else I've popped in with them. And they're more a little bit like, I'll just have a little bit of a rest here. So the idea of enrichment, are we getting it? And I don't know the answer to this. So this is why I'm asking um, you experts, you wonderful experts is, is the enrichment idea coming from a, a human concept of what a human needs rather than what a dog needs? Yeah, I think we feel that if we put our dog away somewhere, they have to be entertained because we're not doing it. And I think that's partly where a lot of these problems have come from. That Actually, we need to remember that they need to sleep. Um, and if they're not, again, like we've said, if they're not taught to sleep, they won't. 
and they'll be constantly wound up and constantly looking for the next bit of enrichment that we've given them. And I think like, like Gemma said earlier, the time for enrichment is actually, and stimulation is out on your walks and your training, not in the house or kennel or crate when you want them to sleep. You want them to almost think about what they've done out on those walks, learn, remember it, sleep on it, and then get up and go again the next day kind of thing. You don't you don't want a, con- a dog that's constantly stimulating and its brain's on the go because it's almost like if you imagine if you work a load of overtime, eventually your brain will shut down and you can't physically put any more into your head. And that is almost kind of what is created in dogs if they're constantly being enriched and on the go all the time. Nothing more goes in. They stop being able to make rational decisions. They they don't choose the right things. And, and then it makes it very difficult to train them because you're almost overloading them all the time. Yeah, I mean, those points are absolutely excellent. And for me, and I think this, you know, not just as a trainer, but I think for most dog owners, the reason the purpose you got a dog was a companion, maybe to take walking, to have a hobby with, to enjoy. And for me, I want my dogs when I take them out to be focused on me and to want to engage with me and play with me and retrieve for me and all of those things. When I get home, my dogs, I want them to settle. I want them to be contented, to have their very valuable sleep and to rest that off. You know, if you if you look at what's happening now and Gemma um, and Sam have all touched on this already, what we're seeing is more and more dogs that are hyper aroused you know, overstimulated, they're not resting, they might be scavenging in the grass looking for things to eat. Um, They might be literally running amok, running up to other people and pestering other people. These dogs should be looking to their owners first for fun. They should be looking to their owners for the guidance and for the fun and for the enjoyment. I want my dogs to be off the lead and want to be with me. And if I'm giving them all of this access to other stuff without me, they have no reason to want to be with me. I think a lot of the reason why enrichment became so popular in recent times, a a big part of it was COVID. It was coming in before that. But with COVID, everyone was at home all the time. So to skip back briefly to what you were saying about kennel dogs and they're not interested in a pig's ear, if a dog has been introduced to a kennel environment properly, or introduced to a crate environment properly, they don't need something to keep them happy and entertained and busy while they're in there. They get their brain exercise, the mental stimulation, as Claire was just talking about, while they're out on the walk. And Em said it earlier as well. They then come back, they go into their safe space, they decompress, they digest, they switch off, they sleep on what they've learned, and they're in a good place to go out and continue that journey on the next session but when a lot of people were stuck at home or they got a dog just because they wanted a family dog maybe it wasn't anything to do with covid but they felt that because the dog was then in its place and the house was busy the dog potentially kicked off a little bit the children started playing football in the room next door so the young puppy went hang on a minute i want to be a part of that and because the puppy said i want to be a part of that the adult human within the house went, oh, hang on, you can't be a part of that, but I'm going to substitute it with this. I'm going to give you something else. 
So a lot of the enrichment ideas came in when dogs were sort of unable to to self-soothe for want of a better description. And so the owner was going, well, I've got to find a way to keep you calm. So I'm going to give you this. And then when you finished that, something else is the phone started ringing or I'm on a work call. So I'm going to give you this. And that then led to this downward spiral of constant enrichment and no time at all for the dog to learn to settle, to self-soothe and to switch off. So what you're talking about there then, Sam, really is we mixed up enrichment with distraction. Enrichment in its place, used correctly, can add to a dog's life. Like training is enrichment. A walk is enrichment when you're engaged with your dog. But then... Other things, maybe if you're giving it to the dogs, the dog's doing that rather than being doing something else in the house, that is not enrichment, that's distraction. Exactly that. Yeah, it became a, I can't work out why you're not settling. And in many cases for a young puppy, the dog is purely overstimulated. So it's got too much adrenaline flushing through it that it can't currently switch off by itself. It's similar to an overtired baby. A baby that gets overtired, it gets really cranky and you've got to work really hard to try and persuade that baby to then go to sleep. It's exactly the same for a puppy. If a puppy has been overstimulated, over enriched because we've just gone, there's a a distraction after distraction after distraction, it then loses its ability to go and to calm and to sleep. I think what else then you also tend to find is as that puppy then gets older and it's been used to item after item after item to keep it occupied, you then, when you try and either wean off of them or withdraw them or you go, right, you're old enough now to go and self-settle, you end up with an array of behaviour problems start creeping in, demand barking, um, all the way through to quite severe behaviour problems where dogs are really attention-seeking and will will grab items of clothing or it will look like they're deliberately doing something maybe to try and get your attention and get you to move and talk to and like acknowledge them. And that's all because it's been used to having enrichment given to it 24-7. And then the minute you take it away, it goes, well, hang on a minute. I, I want something to do now. I'm bored. I want I want to be doing something. You've always been giving me something to do. So why is it changing? And you then have created a dog that is very, very demanding and very time consuming constantly when you are trying to do something or get something done. Absolutely. And I think that leading on from that as well when you get into that situation with a dog you need to really think about what you are doing and for me as a trainer and a behavioral trainer and I look at dogs there absolutely is a place in training for using distraction techniques in training but distracting a dog is not training the dog distracting a dog is just creating a distraction um and you know, that comes down to when you're using things that people are seeing as enrichment and people are seeing these items as ways of giving the dog, you know, something to do because the dog, they think it's bored. All you're doing is really distracting a dog. That's not training the dog in what you actually want them to do. And it becomes a very vicious cycle. Listening to you all now, it sort of reminds me of two things. It's like that one thing where like, I don't know whether it was like the same in your schools, but remember in the afternoon in school, you would all be still be hyper and they would like make you sit or lay on the floor. It was like a pretend enforced 
sleep. None of you were really going to sleep. They just wanted you to settle long enough like, to put the scissors away. It was like something like that, wasn't it? It was like, and everybody come. I hear what you're saying. And when we brought Grace, which is dad's kennel dog in the house, I didn't know what it'd be like bringing the kennel dog back in. But she instinctively, as soon as we came in from a walk, would literally jump up on the dog bench and go to sleep. She didn't want to walk around the house. And the other dogs would still walk around or mooch around. They'd still do it today. But she doesn't. She comes in and literally goes, that's enough now. That bit's over. I'm going to do this. So I think if we teach a dog to settle in its infant age, it makes it far easier for that dog to live in a household through its entire age, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think that's a really important point is that if you imagine that you're actually you the mere fact of you trying to teach a dog to settle will eventually create a memory of your dog going right high arousal, calm back down, go to sleep, high arousal, calm back down, go to sleep. So when you're playing with a puppy or you've just walked a pup and you're bringing it back home, if it then goes straight into an environment where it's going to sleep, what you're creating is a behavior pattern for it to be able to do that for itself once it's an older dog. So you're almost training that the same way as you would train a sit or a lie down or a heel walk or a retrieve or anything like that. You're actually teaching this settle as part of your actual training plan. So you go, right, you've now been highly aroused. You're, you've been enriched by us out on a walk or a training environment. Now you're going to calm down, settle, sleep, learn everything that you've done, digest everything that you've done. And then we're going to go again. And what you teach is recovery which then also helps when you're actually out on walks as well. Because then if you think something high arousal like a rabbit getting up or an interaction with a dog or something like that, your dog's then able to calm back down from that exposure and go back to a normal calm mental state to carry on that walk again because you've taught it this kind of spike of adrenaline and recovery all the way through its life. So it's able to cope with outdoor situations and also self-settle when you've stopped enriching it or when you've stopped interacting with it and that would then pass on to even things like I don't know going to the coffee shop you know you sit down the dog knows to sit by the side of you and settle you know you can go past places sometimes and you have a dog literally like lunging at stuff and the owner trying to keep it calm and then you look at another dog next to it and it's like flat out to sleep with no care in the world of what's going on around it and having the ability with the dog where you're not it's not constantly running around in the house is going to allow you to have far more happier life with that dog isn't it it does it allows you to have a much more balanced and fluid and back and forth relationship if you're not constantly sat there going for goodness sake I now need to get up to give it its next Kong or I forgot to put something in the freezer you know it allows you to go when when you are ready excuse me to take time out with your dog to go and do something it's much much more enjoyable if you've spent the last six hours desperately trying to teach the dog to calm down then by the time you take it out, you're already on that sort of knife edge of, oh my goodness, we've just got to get this done. But it is also important to, when you're teaching your dog to settle, to not rush it as with any other part of the training. You wouldn't want to take an eight-week-old puppy to, well, vaccinations aside, but to a busy park or to a coffee shop or to the beach and expect it to sit there for six hours 
with no interaction at all. So you do have to be aware that it's going to take time to build it up. You're going to have to start it in low distraction areas and then throw in all these different bits to improve the length of time, to improve the situation and the scenario around you with your dog still understanding that settling is the aim of the game. Um, So leading on from that, Sam, I always like to add five or ten minutes at the end of each training session and just sit with the dogs in the field where I've been and they learn to switch off again. Same on walks. If I come across a bench, I will just sit for five or ten minutes and we'll sit and watch. So I think as well as teaching your dog to settle in the house, it's important to do those little bits outside and obviously gradually build up because if they are going to be out working, you're potentially going to be sat doing nothing, waiting for a a drive to start for quite some time at at points. Get that training in at an early age and start off with, like Sam said, little durations and build up. Well, ladies, that's been an absolutely fantastic podcast. I think I understand far more now about enrichment and what that means to me and my dog or when I'm using distraction and how I can use that. And also the importance of teaching my dog to settle and to do nothing. Thank you all for your input this evening. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you all for listening to us. I hope you're all loving Pod Dog as much as we are. We'd love to see your images on Instagram of you watching Pod Dog um, and tag it with LWDG Pod Dog and we'll make sure to share. And that's all for this week. And we look forward to seeing you all soon. Mm-hmm.